Welcome, welcome to Mayflower Congregational Church on this glorious July morning. We're so happy you've decided to join us for worship. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or virtually joining us, we're so thrilled you're here. And if you are here in the sanctuary, if you could find that friendship register if you're on the aisle and pass it along the pew, that would be wonderful. For our summer series of Voices and Vision, we welcome Reverend Catherine Baker this morning. Reverend Baker is a dear friend of mine, and we have been engaged in various ministry endeavors over the last several years. If you happen to be here for my ordination service in October of 2019, you might recognize Reverend Baker was the one to give the charge to the congregation. So we're excited to hear what words she has for us this morning. We also have two other special guests that we would like to welcome. Kevin and Susan Fry are here with us. They are the founders of Eden Ministries in Doma, Zimbabwe. Mayflower has partnered with this incredible ministry for a long time, 20 years. Yes. So we're excited to hear an update from Kevin and Susan. They will also be available uh, in the atrium at our coffee hour, so please uh, make sure that you greet them and hear more about what's happening with their ministry. Also note that this Wednesday is Water Slide Wednesday. Looking out over the congregation this morning, I'm not sure all of you are excited to water slide on the front lawn of the church, but that is happening from 1 to 3. And even if you just happen to drive by Wednesday afternoon, you will be astonished at how fun our front lawn can be (laughs) and how many kids just fan out across the front lawn. It's really quite something. So, Dr. Julia Brown, are you doing a word about today's music? Okay. Please welcome Dr. Julia Brown for a word about today's music. A couple things I wanted to point out about music today. Um, First, on the second page at the top of your bulletin, you'll notice uh, the Old Testament reading and then the psalm of the day, which is Psalm 23, and then the gospel reading. Um, Talking to Ruth this week, I said, well, why don't we sing the psalm, since the psalms were the original songs of, uh, of, for Christians. So let's, um, let's do something different and add that in the middle. And that gives us kind of a uh, feel for what might be happening in the fall. Scott and I are in conversations about including the psalm each Sunday um, and maybe chanting or singing. Or I know Ruth uh, incorporates psalms into the opening prayers and call to worship. So they've been kind of secretly in our liturgy uh, throughout the year. But I think we'll be a little more forthcoming in, in how we all um, experience the psalm each Sunday together. The second piece I wanted to point out is our offering, which was uh, picked specifically because the fries are with us this morning. And um, I'm new enough here that I don't know all of the traditions of this place. um, I'm coming up on three years that I moved to Grand Rapids. It's hard to believe. And one and a half of those years has been in virtual worship. So there's still a lot that I don't know about this place. So thank you for those of you who pointed out the fact that the choir always sang Prayer of the Children when the Fries were here with us in worship. So... Um, when I first heard about this, I thought, well, how can I incorporate that? Because the choir doesn't sing in the fall and, or in the summer. 
Um, so I went online, and sure enough, Kurt Bestor, the, the composer, has also published a solo version. So um, I'm really happy that we can bring that today, and I think it's very appropriate um, for what the Fries are going to talk about. And I just want to uh, read a few words from the composer. He says about this work. Over the years, I've written many songs with melodies more memorable, lyrics more poetic, and harmonies richer. But none of my compositions has had the kind of reach and emotional effect of Prayer of the Children. Ironically, I never intended to publish the song at all. I wrote it out of frustration over the horrendous civil war and ethnic cleansing taking place in the former country of Yugoslavia. So he had lived there um, in the 70s and had many friends of all the ethnic groups. And although he sensed the bubbling underneath the surface of the differences, uh, he hoped that they would continue to live peacefully, and that didn't happen. And as he was watching on TV uh, as, um, as the Civil War began, he says, um, I sank deeper into a sense of hopelessness. Finally, one night, I began channeling these deep feelings into a wordless melody. Then, little by little, I added words. Can you hear? Can you feel? I started with these feelings, sensations that the children struggling to live in this difficult time might be feeling. Serbian, Croatian, and Bosnian children all felt the same feelings of confusion and sadness and it was for them that I was writing this song. And civil war and unrest and division continues. This was written decades ago and still seems so relevant, unfortunately, with the issues that we have in the world. Thank you, Julia. Well, we have so much to be thankful for, and we certainly have exciting times ahead here at Mayflower. So let us begin our time of worship this morning with our call to worship, and you will find the responses in your bulletin. We come before the Holy One this morning to worship and proclaim God's mighty deeds and great compassion. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. May we approach the Lord like children, and may we worship, bring honor, glory, and praise. Come, let us worship.
You may be seated. In 1997, Kevin Fry took a trip to Zimbabwe and was shocked by the dire realities orphans in that country were facing. He returned to the States and with his wife, Susan, founded Eden Ministries in 1998. They both have backgrounds in foster care and are using their gifts and abilities to grow their ministry that not only provides holistic care for orphans and vulnerable children, but includes a Christian school, a farm, and an herbal medicinal health clinic. This ministry is one of the longest outreach partners that Mayflower has. It is also the only global partner that Mayflower has. So please welcome Kevin to share an update on all that's happening in their ministry. Good morning. We have something to celebrate together. This is 2021 marks 20 years that you have supported our ministry. But what have we accomplished in 20 years? And I think you'll be excited when you hear everything that's happened. Now, in the early years, we did not have access to antiretroviral drugs. And every year in those early years, 40% of our children died with AIDS-related illnesses. But I want you to know that those children died feeling safe, secure, loved, and they had the joy of knowing that Jesus was right there with them at the end of the journey. And that was a huge ministry. But uh, since, I think, 2003, we've had access to those drugs. And so what's happened since then, we've had uh, nearly 200 children that have gone through our program, are adults now, and they're, they have all kinds of professions, all kinds of trades, and uh, 85% of them met Jesus and loved Jesus. And that, that's an important thing, too. But today we have 167 children in full-time residential care, uh, some of them are, are as old as 22, but they're trying to finish school. Our kids come to us behind in school, and so we, we accommodate that. It's an amazing thing when you, when you reach out to a child. You know, and, and I, I see this congregation as a Matthew 25 congregation. And, and you look at that chapter, I was, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. That's the essence of what you've done. For our kids in Dolan, it's a fantastic thing. And uh, I see Jesus smiling and saying, you know, when you do it for them, you're doing it for me. And, and I love that uh, about our Lord. He's, he's very gracious about that. And uh, our medical clinic has treated nearly 60,000 people in the years you've been supporting. And that's a quarter of the population uh, of, uh, on this plateau where we live that's, that's kind of an isolated community. And uh, we're able to treat 16,000 people every year at, at no charge. It's a huge ministry to the community where we have outreach at the Gravelot Farm. We will open a new clinic uh, at R- Ringston Range Farm uh, in 2022. And so it's, it's exciting things. The Lord's opening all kinds of doors. Our biggest rescue in our missions history uh, happened four months ago. And uh, Harungwe Children's Home in Karoi, about 90 minutes from us, was forcibly shut down by government. The police came in, rounded up the kids, took them to various children's homes. We took 28 of those children. These children were forced to participate in satanic rituals. They were sexually abused. They were forced to use drugs. All of them are underweight and undersized. They were nearly starved. Uh, We just finished academic testing on these kids, and nobody tests above first grade level. Some of these kids are teenagers. And so we have a lot of counseling to do. We have a lot of 
education to do. We want these kids to be able to read and write in English and Shona before they leave us. And so it's a huge rescue. But it doesn't stop there. Government now wants us to reopen Hurungwa Children's Home. And it's a challenge. It's a big challenge because it's a warehouse. Fifty boys on one side, fifty girls on the other was what it was built for. Susan and I toured it when it was brand new in 1999, and we thought it was the biggest mistake anybody could make with kids because kids don't grow up in warehouses. They grow up in families. And so what we'll be doing in Karoi to really take care of everything that kids need, we'll need to build cottages so they can live in families, learn family dynamics, be good spouses and parents. We need a vocational program for the ones that are not academic. We need a marketplace for them to sell the things they make and grow in the vocational school. And we also need a center for online degree programs. And so we're very excited about it. It's a big, big project. But uh, I, I see Mayflower taking part in that. And I can picture, I would love to spend the next five years building uh, Mayflower Village in Karoi. It's an amazing thing what happens when God's people come together and work together. We have changed tens of thousands of lives because we agreed that something needed to be done. We didn't sit back and watch somebody else work, worry about it. We got in there and we got busy. And we're here to thank you in person. Uh, we have two of our international board members are here to, uh, to uh, thank you in person. Steve Thals is our international board president. Uh, Daryl Crothers is, is one of our board members. They're, they're sitting over here. You can catch them on the other side. But uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done for us. Uh, we don't take it lightly at all because uh, we, you're, you're saving lives. It's absolutely critical what you're doing. And uh, we want to say thank you. We also want to say, Famba na Jesu Walk with Jesus, my friends. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. If you would come this way, and Susan, if you would come forward too. We would love to pray a prayer of blessing over these two ministers of the gospel in Zimbabwe. If you're comfortable, I'm going to put my hands on them. And if you want to just maybe reach your hand forward symbolically to pray uh, for them this morning. If your heart's feeling heavy right now over what Kevin just shared, I think that's appropriate to think of a warehouse full of children and the abuse that they've endured and that these, these two amazing people and their staff are responding. It's quite phenomenal. So let's pray. Oh, holy God. The needs of the world overwhelm us. And just the needs that Kevin has just shared about what's happening in Zimbabwe are uh, so heavy. But we know that you hold all things, that nothing is a surprise to you, and that you love us, all of us, so fully and completely and beautifully. So we trust that you have a great plan, and we know that you are rolling it out currently as Kevin and Susan are building cottages and farming and responding medically to the needs in their community. So I pray for your hand of blessing, of mercy, compassion, peace, and comfort on Kevin and Susan and all they encounter. They are phenomenal ministers of the gospel in Zimbabwe with their words and with their actions. May you bless them enormously. May this ministry flourish. May these cottages be built and children be safe and cared for and looking forward to a bright and hopeful future. We thank you for all those in Mayflower who have stepped in to say we're part of this as well in this church. May this partnership continue to grow, and may we have the joy of partnering with 
this ministry. May it fill our hearts. May we participate in a way that brings glory to you now and always. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The first reading is from Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you For your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The gospel reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 to 34, and then jumping to verses 50 to 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astonished, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. morning. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. All of the rest. What a beautiful and refreshing summer morning to be with you here this Sunday at Mayflower Congregational Church, still aflame with afterglows of Pentecost, revived by our recent rains, and in our growing season of faith, delving into the community witness of our gospel. I am so grateful for the invitation to be, to be with you as your guest preacher today, extending my gratitude to your sensational pastor, Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, for extending such a warm and gracious invitation to be part of your Voices and Vision preaching series this summer. What an opportunity to gather together as newly resurfacing and persistently technological cloud of witnesses. For those of you who may not know me or might think that I look familiar, my name is Reverend Catherine Lee Baker. I'm an ordained minister in the Reformed Church in America. And you can find me actually just down the street in East Town, landing back in Grand Rapids after having spent many of my formative years of ministry on the East Coast in the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Well, I have shifted largely from pulpit or parish ministry back to nonprofit service 
I'm delighted to be back in this pulpit again, shaking things up and bearing witness to the complexity of faithfulness and the intersectionality of call. This morning, or whenever you are tuning in, the gospel word that finds us in this growing season of faith is exactly that. It is complex and it is intersectional. Right here in the middle of summer, the lectionary that we receive is not a sleepy word, but it is good news that is committed to rest in a dynamic way. This morning, as we hear the scripture passages proclaimed and we sing the psalm that many of us know by heart, we are joined together to indulge, invite, and inspire ourselves to rejuvenation replenishment, and rest. Whether it is the Gospel of Mark demonstrating Jesus Christ, our our incarnate God's own need for rest, or the prophet of Jeremiah admonishing us to be people of faith who attend and who shepherd with justice and righteousness in order to secure salvation and safety for our flocks, the message is plenteous and simple we are reminded to rest. Our scripture calls, heeds, and summons us to this rest. And we receive this truth and hear the echoes of its refrain over and over again. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that God had done, and God rested. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and domestic creatures that were in the ark, And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the water subsided, and the ark and its people came to rest. Remember the rest day of God, and keep it holy. In the Old Testament, one familiar iteration of what it means to rest is the word Shabbat, the root of Sabbath, which means to repose, to desist from exertion, to let or allow, to cease or celebrate, to cause or to make fail, to leave or to put down, to make something rest or permit something to be taken away. And in the New Testament, the companions to this form of rest are the words anapao, the root of pause, which means to repose or to be exempt, to refresh or to take ease, to impart respite with the assumption of resumption, and the word kathizo, which is the root of cause, which can mean to settle, to appoint, as well as intransitively, to sit, to hover, to dwell, or to tarry. Throughout the Bible, we take in these cues from our creator, redeemer, and sustainer God resting and our triune God sharing that same rest with those whom God calls beloved and chooses as God's flock. God establishes a standard of rest with incessant clarification and and constant evolution in the Torah throughout rabbinic teachings, prophetic proclamation, and in communal life. And Christ implores his followers to rest, assuring them on every level that there will be enough time, sustenance, and consolation, 
and for all shall be fulfilled. And the Spirit anoints the apostles by rest, suspending herself as a tongue of fire, evoking a symbol of transformation to all people that to be enveloped in apostleship or to respond to discipleship would be both dangerous and beautiful. We see rest woven throughout our gospel story at the beginning of creation, in the throes of faithfulness and prophecy, and in the incarnation of God's word. Our God is a God of rest, and our God desires this rest for creation, humanity, and every intricacy of our existence. As people of faith, we know that the rest that God desires is a fascinating and not a legalistic rest, but it's an active rest marked by that rejuvenation and recuperation and imagination. God rests and the world awakens. Jesus rests and storms are calmed. The spirit rests like a dove, like a flame, like chaos over the waters, and the story of salvation deepens. Ontological rest brings dynamic activity. Christological rest brings disruptive peace, and spiritual rest brings salvific hope. This message of the importance of rest is changeless, and it is yet ever-evolving. Centering around the gravity of rest in his writings of confessions, St. Augustine of Hippo, early church father and patron saint for brewers, printers, theologians, and Western Christianity, says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And disputing the capitalistic intent and the overdrive of productivity in his time, Martin Luther, professor, monk, and seminal figure in the Reformation of Christianity, says, We worship God also when we rest. Indeed, there is no greater worship of God than this. And advancing civil rights and reminding humankind that Our destinies are tied up with each other's, and we are bonded together. In his I Have a Dream speech, Martin Luther King Jr. says, who is our relentless pastor theologian, says, there will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until black lives are granted their citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. This is where our growing season gets good. Because we are called, we are heated, and we are summoned to all of the rest with its complexity and its intersectionality. It is no wonder that this is the message in the middle of summer that comes to us today as a fulcrum of good news, which can also inspire our resilience. God's rest is linked with our rest, and our rest is linked with one another's. Our souls are truly restless until we find our rest 
in God's restfulness, and our souls are also restless until we till and sow and tend and harvest that restfulness in one another. We worship God by being rest-filled and restful people, and there is no greater worship of God than when we cultivate the privilege of rest for the rest of creation and to the ends of the earth. For there can be no rest without equity, and there can be no rest without justice. To rephrase what we know so well, no one can rest until all of us can rest. As people of faith, encountering, longing for, and following after our triune God, Redeemer, Creator, and Sustainer, that is precisely what our prophets, our psalmists, and our Gospels, and we ourselves mean when we talk about rejuvenation, replenishment, and rest. We know as a whole, especially after this past year, That rest is not to be taken for granted. The gift, the privilege, and the abundance of rest is not always available for everyone. The purpose of rest is not one and the same across different scales or classes, genders, geographies, or cultures, or races. Maybe you have known what it means to be put on bed rest. Maybe you have been told to give it a rest. Maybe you have had to lay someone to rest. Or maybe you just couldn't for whatever reason or diagnosis or challenge or barrier, you could not actually rest. Why does the rest that we as people of faith are called, heated, and summoned to enact, feel so much more exclusive and elusive than it needs to be or should. How do we access all of the rest? And how do we do it for all of us? There's so many questions that come to our mind this morning. What infrastructures and processes might we need to deconstruct or put into place? What opportunities and resources might we need to help populate or distribute? What might we need to do with these opportunities and luxuries that contribute to our own rest that could also bring rest to those around us and to the least of these? How shall we ask What is our roles, responsibilities, and reach for all of the rest? Just as God instated a celebration of rest, just as Christ implored every one of his followers to rest, and just as the Spirit demonstrates what it means to rest, today we too are reminded that we are one another's shepherds. And so how will we lead each other besides still waters? How will we help make each other lie down in greener pastures? How will we help one another by restoring each other's souls? Even in the darkest of valleys and even in the presence of our enemies, how will we dwell in the house of the Lord 
together our whole lives long. All of the rest is what we are called, heeded, and summoned to, and it is radical as it is wonderful of a charge. So for that reason, we must ground ourselves in our triune God, trusting, abiding, and residing. Abraham Joshua Heschel, Polish-American rabbi and leading Jewish philosopher, says in his book, The Sabbath, its meaning for modern man, to abstain from labor as God has commanded is not a depreciation of labor, but an affirmation of labor, a divine exaltation of its dignity. In this, we are lifted out of the meaninglessness march of time, and we are no longer creatures of burden yoked without purpose to our work, but we are unchained, we are released, and we are at peace with creation, society, and ourselves. Beloved of God, how are we unchaining ourselves from labor as God commanded, and how are we helping one another do the same? Cole Arthur Riley, creator of Black Liturgies and modern womanist theologian, writes, it is difficult for us to imagine a Christ who, having all power and capacity to heal others, still at times walked away, still napped unapologetically in the face of danger. May we, too, have courage to rest and the holy audacity to do absolutely nothing at all amidst our fast-paced lives that allows us to feel what hurts and feel what makes healing possible, that this rest might also be our liberation. Beloved, how are we restoring ourselves without excuse and moving with slowness in order to make healing possible? And how are we helping others do the same? And finally, Oscar Romero, Archbishop of the Catholic Church in San Salvador, who waged his own life on ending oppression, says, If there were ever a time when the feast of the Holy Spirit takes urgency, it is now when we see so much confusion so many false values of redemption, so much militarism and selfishness, so much hatred and violence. This is a precious moment when we feel a great desire for justice, for truth, and for what is absolute and transcendent. For this corresponds to humankind's deepest longings, which cannot be satisfied by anyone except the very Spirit of God, which comes to take possession of us and fill that vast emptiness that we feel. For like St. Augustine, we seek solutions in the world, but we never find them. And then we say with St. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Mayflower Congregational Church, how are we embracing these precious moments, cultivating justice and truth and our longing for the very Spirit of God. And how are we helping one another do the same?
This morning, we are delighted to join together, not only soaking up the rays of summer, but also still aflame with the afterglows of Pentecost, diving into the community witness of the gospel in a growing season of faith. Bring on the voices and bring on the vision. Wherever this message finds you, may it bring you hope. However this gospel disrupts you, may it bring you truth. And whatever challenge this word surfaces within you, may it remind you that you are called, you are heeded, and you have been summoned to all of the rest. This is not a sleepy message, but this is good news for all. God's rest has been linked with our rest. And our rest has been linked with one another's. In the name of our creator, sustainer, and redeemer God, all God's people have said, Amen. We give generously so that we as a church can continue our ministry both in this place and outside of this building through our outreach. Thank you for giving and supporting our partnerships such as those with Edens. Together we're bringing hope and healing to a hurting world. Thank you.
it's my fault. We kind of goofed up the offering. <laughs> they were waiting for me to say, and the ushers will come forward, which I did not say. That was the cue. So we're going to roll with it, right? Um, thank you for being understanding. Thank you, ushers, for working with my goofiness. Um, so we will incorporate a dedication prayer with our congregational prayer. But as you are standing, you may be seated. And I would love it if someone has a prayer request or a note of praise they would like to share this morning for our congregational prayer. Anyone have? Yes, David. Okay. So Gloria Baker is recovering from surgery. So we're going to pray for her. Anyone else? This has been a full morning, hasn't it? Uh, Melissa, thank you for blessing us in such a beautiful way. Um, I was panicked momentarily that the ushers were not coming forward while she was singing the offertory. And then I had this moment, I thought, wow, we just had such stillness for that song and those words. And in many ways, that was what we needed this morning, right? Rest. We needed some rest and listen to those beautiful lyrics. So if you will join me in our prayer, let's pray. Oh, creator, redeemer, sustainer, be with us here in this space this morning. We dedicate these offerings that were so generously given. May they bring glory, honor, and praise to you alone. May we use them to bring rest here to this place and extend rest to others all over the world. Lord, we pray for Gloria Baker as she is recovering from surgery. Heal her completely. Restore her to full health and wellness. Be with her this morning and always. And Lord, this message of rest, we are restless. We are restless here at Mayflower, wondering what's what's the future hold? Who is this next senior leader that you're bringing? But this restlessness that each of us have in different ways, May we find our rest in you. May we know what that feels like. May we settle into your loving embrace and trusting that you've got this. Whatever it is that we are restless about, help us to lay it at your feet and experience the divine rest that comes only from you. And as we were reminded this morning, our rest is then to extend to others, to help others rest. When I think about the message that Kevin brought 167 orphans living in residential care at Eden's, hundreds more desperately trying to recover from ritual abuse in a warehouse orphanage. Lord, that is so heavy. So heavy. And may you bring divine rest. May you use Kevin and Susan and their colleagues, may you use Mayflower to help bring rest to the least of these. And when you planted that seed in Kevin's heart to say, who is going to care for my children? And he brought that message back to Susan and they said, here we are, Lord, send us. May we each, deep in our hearts, have that response to whatever it is you have before us. Here we are, Lord, send us. Can we rest in the assurance that you love us so much and you are sending us, whether it's to our neighbor, whether it's to a family member, whether it's all the way across the ocean to Zimbabwe. Here we are, Lord, send us. May Mayflower be a beacon of light, glowing out throughout this city and around the world. Use us, Lord, send us. And in that spirit, may we all pray together the holy prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, may you go from this place, not with a sleepy message, but with good news that God's rest has been linked with ours. And may you go from this place, called and heated and charged, to bring rest to those around you and to the world that God so loves. And may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours now and forevermore. And all God's people have said, Amen.